Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. All right, today's Gospel Sunday and I'm a gospel preacher, okay? So I'm gonna say God is good and you guys say all the time, okay? So here we go. God is good. God is good. There we go. One more time. God is good. You may be seated. Adams, you seat first as the handsome ones in the room. It's good to see you guys. As you're sitting down, uh, look at someone today and tell them you look good in church today. Now finish the sentence and say, sitting next to me. <laughs> you make them look better. Whoever you're sitting next to, you make them look better. And for some of you, you're welcome. I just got you your first date, your first friend, whatever it may be. You just complimented a girl, now finish it out. Ask for, invite them to coffee in the foyer, seal that deal, wrap it up. So, hey, it's good to see you guys. We're about to jump into, into Word this morning. You guys excited to squeeze the scriptures this morning? I know I am excited. We'll get there in just a few moments. We'll get started. But the first thing I want to do, you know, it's very common that whenever there's kind of a guest speaker, especially definitely for my first time being able to share with you guys, I got to share at the hype sessions back at your conference a few months ago, which was exciting. Um, but more than a guest speaker, I just pretty much consider myself a, a member of Vive. So, you know, like I'm basically a church member. I, I have I have church AI in my in my wallet. Like I could check it, check into church here. You know, so. I could check in just like you guys, whatever it may be, but commonly when you have a, a guest, you know, they, they, there's, de there's a time where you do the honorifics, right? You, you honor, but what they happen is they usually say, how about you guys honor Pastor Adam and Pastor Kira? A lot of times when they do that, it's because they, 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 they know enough, but they don't want to just, they don't, they're not going to personally honor. They're going to say, how about you guys honor in that sense? But I want to personally tell you guys that I want to honor your pastors. Um, I don't necessarily need you guys to do it yet, but that's what I need to do because <laughs> there are currently right now no two pastors in my life, and I mean this, I'm not making it up or anything like that. There are no two pastors in my life that have had a greater impact and influence in 12 months than any pastors I have ever met than your guys' pastor, Pastor Adam and Pastor Kira. Um, I watch the services with you guys. I'm done preaching at my church. I wait for it to be uploaded and I watch your guys' sermons. I got all my post notifications turned on on Instagram for you guys. So I know what's happening in Vox Gen. I know what's happening, kids. I know all the stuff you guys, a hope hanger and everything like that. Like, I'm a member. I'm just like, and it's like, basically, that's me. So. I want you to know that because they're, they are influencing my life so much as a pastor. And not only that, my wife, we brought a whole team of women to your recent uh, women's conference. And my wife got a word from Pastor Kira that just unlocked uh, some perspective and some vision for her life, my wife's life. Some things that God's been trying to tell her for years that Pastor Kira told her in just some moments that was a Holy Spirit word that changed my wife's perspective on things. And so you guys as pastors are not only changing the life globally, but they're changing our lives. They're impacting our lives. So man, you guys are spoiled to have the pastors you have. Cause I mean, if it don't work out in Rancho Cucamonga, I'm moving to Mountain Valley. I could probably afford a shoebox, but 
I'll, I'll be the happiest mouse in that shoebox that you ever met in your life if I moved up to Mountain Valley. But uh, so, I'm so I'm so thankful for you guys. Thank you so much for what you're doing at Vive and all amongst the world. You have such a love for the church and it inspires me to do better and be better. Um, additionally, I just want you to show briefly before we get started, I wanna show you my family so you know who it is that's talking to you. So here's my wife and my boys on Christmas morning. And so... Um, the oldest one to the left is my wife, Ashley. That's my oldest child. No, I mean, no, no, it's my, it's my best friend. Um, <laughs> it's my oldest, she's 34 years old. And um, no, she's my best friend. We've been married eight years this year. And um, for any of those single people, I met her at church in the courtyard. So it's possible, y'all, it happens, okay? You don't gotta go to the nightclub to meet them. You can meet them in church. I met her in church, and I met her serving, so there's some steps, you know? Hello, so, and then my oldest son is Matthias Malachi Mesa, and so uh, we're trying to give him that Neymar vibes, you know, with his haircut and everything like that. And then our youngest is uh, Thomas Cohen Mesa, so little baby TC, named after his grandfather who went home to be with the Lord in uh, March of 2020. So little baby TC is his name. So um, that's my family. And I, I usually bring my boys everywhere with me, but if it, uh, it, we just, we wanted to be dialed in on this trip, okay? Maybe the next time you can hear them screaming in the foyer. But, uh, but they've been to all the conferences with us. So um, I already have, my staff has in their calendar your guys' conference for the year. I'm not joking, that's how much, that's how much I love vibe and what's going on, you know? So let's get ready for the word. We are in a series called Free Destined, okay? Free Destined, and Pastor Adam, he killed it last week. Um, it was absolutely incredible talking about the foreknowledge of God. We're in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 30, and so I want you to grab your Bibles if you have them. If not, I'll have them for you to simply follow along. I'm going to open up the verses. As Pastor Adam talked about the foreknowledge of God, talking about the control of God and God being in control when you are out of control. And I thought it was so beautiful. I'm gonna probably quote Pastor Adam a few times today because we're building upon this theme that's in Romans chapter eight, verse 28 to 30. And there's parallels that are made all over amongst those three verses. But I'm gonna read those passages today because as Pastor Adam talked about foreknowledge last week, we're gonna talk about calling this week what it means to be called by God, what it means to be called to God by something. And so we're gonna hopefully break some things down for you guys so that you leave here with a greater clarity of what you are called to and what God has called you to. So we're gonna learn some theology and some Bible. We're also gonna break it down super practical so that you don't go home later and say, well, that's a great message, but what do I do tomorrow again? <laughs> like, I, 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 we read the Bible in English, but that's about as far as I got. So we need to go practical as well. So I want us to read it together. Romans chapter eight, we're gonna do 28 and uh, 29 and 30, I'll read it. I think they might just have my 28 there, but let's look at Romans chapter eight, starting with verse 28. It says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. 
Okay, so throughout the rest of this series, you're going to get to break down uh, justified and glorified and everything else. And so today, we're going to lean into those words of what does it mean to be called by God. Okay, so that's what we're going to see. So I want you at the beginning, though, we're going to read one other verse. It's in Romans chapter one, verses five to six. Paul is actually the one who's most famous for talking about calling. Uh, it's all throughout Old Testament and New Testament. Um, the Greek word for it, the, the original derivative is called kaleo. That's the Greek word. So kaleo kind of sounds like called, you know, which means to summon, to invite. Okay, to call on someone. So kaleo is a, is a call, it's a summons, it's an invitation. Paul uses this all the time in the New Testament. Even Jesus uses kaleo in the New Testament. We're gonna see that today. So I want you to see though, Romans chapter one, verses five to six, you'll, a lot of times you'll see Paul open his epistles, his letters, with something along these lines of these words. It says this, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. And then he says this, including you who are called to what? To belong to Christ. So what we're gonna see today is a lot of times when the apostle Paul or anyone else is talking about calling, he's talking about being in something. Being in Christ. He's not just talking about getting a phone call. He's talking about you being called to something, into something. There is something that God is taking you from what you once were to who you are now. There's a process of calling and being called. And that's what we're going to dig in today. So today we're going to see there are two aspects to calling that we'll dig in today. The two aspects of calling that we're going to see is, number one, the calling of Christ in your life, which is God's redemptive work in your life, that Jesus saved you and has called you to bear his image. The next thing we're going to see today is that calling is also seen in the purpose of my life. Because that's usually what the questions always surround. We know that we're saved. But a lot of times when someone comes up and they say, what am I called to? What they're saying is, because the, the, the short theological answer, if someone walked up to me and said, Pastor Adam, what am I called to? My short answer would be, you're called to Christ. Okay, that would be the most basic, most generic answer, you're called to Christ. But that's not what they're asking. They're saying, what is my purpose in life that God has called me, whether it be career, occupation, am I meant to have a family, am I meant to have kids? What, what is my calling that God has led me to in the sense of what do I do every day? What do, when I wake up, what is my purpose? What has God called me to? So that is what we're gonna discover with the few moments that we had today. I want you to see that there's a difference in parallel today uh, amongst different generations. You know, uh, if, I talk to any, uh, if I talk to anyone that's like a millennial and older, and I said, hey, give me an imaginary phone with your hands. Anyone who's a millennial or older, give me, give me your phone with your imaginary hands. Hello, Drake, you could call me on a cell phone. But if I asked anyone that was like Gen Z or younger, and I said, hey, give me an imaginary phone with your hands, what are you going to do? Probably like this. You gonna hold your smartphone up to your ear? If you're this, then you're a real retro Gen Z kid. You're really living in the 90s, you know? But anyone that's Gen Z, I saw all them, they, all the Vox people here and stuff, young adults, I saw it go like this. Like, yes, hello. 
So that's the call that we would normally have. We all have gestures. We all have hands for it. We all, we all do something to, to reference someone getting a call. Uh, if, if I run in the room and my wife's phone is ringing and maybe she's doing with some boy, I say, hey, babe, you got a call. Now hold up the hands. You got a call. Which means don't just sit doing what you're doing. You go answer the call. It's a summons. Like, yo, got to do something. You can't, if you're just ringing it on the hook, then you're taking it to voicemail. So you got to actively be doing something. In other words, it's like this. For the life of the believer, for the life of the Christian, I grew up in the black church, okay? In a black church, holla back. In the black church, in the black church, we have something that's called mothers in the church. Not too many white churches have something like that. In a black church, when you have a mother in the church, what that means is there is an older black mother in the church. She ain't your mom. She everyone's mom, okay? Yeah, everybody's mom. She usually wears a beautiful hat to service. She got the entire Bible memorized. And she can read your mail on a drop of a dime. That's, that's, that's a church mother right there, okay? So she's raising everybody's kid, okay? So in, in my life growing up in church, I had Mother Mackie, Mama D, Mama Jackie. Like I had so many mamas in my life. Particularly one time, one of my church mothers came up to me and I was young, I was in my early 20s, and she came to me and she said, Adam, I was a new youth pastor. I was just trying to figure things out. And she said, you know what, Pastor Adam? With all this new advent of technology and everything that all you young people are on, you're on your phones, you're on your, your iPads, you're on this or this or that. She goes, just do me a favor. In life, before you go to the phone, go to the throne. Before you go to the phone, you need to go to the throne. She said, before you start worrying about your life and you get on your phone to call your friend, text your mama, holler at whoever you need to holler, before you jump on the news, before you Google something, before you, when you hear something out in the streets that cause worry, that call doubt, then before you touch this, before you touch that phone, you need to go to the throne of God. You need to go to the throne room of grace. It's where God is, is where you have access. It's where God is, where God is calling you. It's the throne of grace and the throne of God, where God has a call in and for your life. And so before you hit the phone, go to the throne. Because God has a calling on your life and he has called you to some things. And here's the beauty about calling. Calling is not a place. It's not necessarily a destination. Calling is a person. Calling's name. So if you were to tell God, hey, God, we use this for calling. Some of our younger people use this for calling. God the Father, what do you use for calling? He would point to his son. He would point to Jesus. He would say, this is my phone. This is my call. John chapter 1, that the word became life. The fullness of life is in Jesus. That, so he would, his way of communicating with you, he would say, it's my son. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can have relationship and you can interact with his son. So now you and I have access to God through his son. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 says this. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's another into right there. 
He said, you've been called, what? Into Jesus, his son. Not around Jesus. A lot of people get around Jesus all the time. I mean, there's a difference between being around something and in something. Two totally different things. And so you have to be able to know that as God has called you to be conformed in the image of his son, you have to recognize whether you've been hanging around Jesus or whether you've been in Jesus as a called person. Because it's been raining a lot in California. And I can be near covering. Still going to get wet. But I can go in covering. And I'm secure. And so just showing up on Sunday is not an attitude of getting near something. What are you getting in? That's why two people could come to church on Sunday. One person leave church and say, I didn't receive nothing. I didn't get nothing. I didn't feel nothing. And then another person come to that same service, same gospel music, same preaching, same everything. And someone leaves and says, my life is transformed. How come two people can walk into the same space? One person experienced a calling on their life and another person received nothing because one person was near Jesus and another one was in Jesus. That's what the call of God looks like in your life. And so today, before I share a couple points, because I want you guys to see journals and stuff like that, and I'm a notes preacher because I want you to be able to reflect on some things. So I got three points for you guys today, but here's what I want you to do when we have a conversation today is I really want you to dream big in your calling because you serve a big God. You serve the God of the heavens and earth who's created all things unto himself. And if we would just understand the capacity that God has called us to, then we can truly see the beauty of his creation and the work that he's doing in your life as a person who has been called to him. So if you're taking notes today, here's, here's the first thing that God has called us to. God has called us to commitment. God's called us to commitment, to live a committed life to him. That's what a calling is. It's to get to a place where I hear his voice in my life and I follow. Because whether you came to me tomorrow and you just told, and I asked you a few questions, what are you passionate about? What you good at? What's this or this or that? I can give you an answer. Okay, you're, 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 meant, you're meant to be a football coach. Okay. I could give you an occupation all day, but if you don't understand the purpose behind daily having to listen to the voice of Jesus, to be committed, because not every day you're going to want to do what you've been called to. Not every day you're going to want to go to church. Not every day you're going to want to serve. Not every day you're going to want to forgive. Not every day you're going to want to trust. Not every day you're going to want to love. And so we have been called to stay committed. So we've been called to do. Look, look at this. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 1 to 6, very famous passage we all know that Jesus shares. And this is a passage that Jesus shares with us that he's the good shepherd. And there are a few Greek words that are used in this, in this passage where Jesus, where the writers reference the word kaleo. So we know the reference is to be called out, to be summoned, to be invited by Jesus. Look at this in John chapter 10, verse 1 to 6. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls, Kaleo, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. And if you continue to read that passage, Jesus begins to share this message that says, hey, as the shepherd, I make a call. Those that are my sheep who have inclined their ears to hear me, they will follow. They will separate. So, so I've been to Israel before. And you know, in Israel, a lot of times the shepherds, they're kind of, it's open land. So you can bring all your shepherds and all the sheep come. And you know, you can't tell one sheep apart from another at all. Like they all look the same. So you may have three or four shepherds in Israel who are letting their sheep graze and then they all mix. And so let's just say collectively there are 200 sheep amongst four shepherds and they intertwine. What, what do you do? Do you just say, hey, I came with 30, so let me go pick 30? Another guy says, I came with 100, let me go pick 100. What do you do? Well, ever since that sheep is a little lamb, every shepherd uses a specific call. It's a specific whistle. So one shepherd, their whistle may be, I'm not a good whistler, but it may be. Another shepherd may. Another shepherd may be able to do that loud whistle, that whoop. You know, that, that whoop. And so what the shepherds do when it's time to leave is each shepherd does their whistle, their call, and the sheep that since they were lambs know their voice, they separate from each other. They leave. And so when Jesus talks about this call to commitment to hear his voice, it means that through our life, when the Holy Spirit starts to say, Hey, you shouldn't be going where you're going right now. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. The voice of Jesus begins to say, yeah, yeah, that's right. You're, you're in your pocket. You're in your vein. Trust in it. Lean into it. Start to build that. Start to practice that. That's Jesus' voice working in your life. So I don't know where you're at with your walk right now. Don't be discouraged if you're still a lamb. And you're still figuring out what his voice is. You're still coming to church. You're worshiping. You're reading your Bible. You're, you're practicing learning his voice. But an older saint may be in here who's been in this thing for 30, 40, 50 years. You're like, man, I barely leave my door because God convicts me and starts speaking to me before I even hit the mailbox. There are different levels to where you're at. But I'll tell you this. If you continue to follow the shepherd, continue to say yes to the call which is to follow Jesus. And it's step by step. Here's the beauty that we see about Jesus's disciples. You see, we saw with Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen's, and what did Jesus call them to do? Become fisher of men. It wasn't an occupational shift, it was a perspective shift. Was, they were fishing for fish. Jesus says, keep doing what you're doing. Now do that for men. 
One of his disciples was Simon the Zealot. He was a zealot for the politics of Israel. Jesus says, Simon, I don't want you to change what you're doing, but instead of being a zealot for Israel and the politics of Israel, why don't you be zealous for me? Why don't you be zealous for me? Paul was the same thing. He was one of the greatest teachers when his, he was Saul. He was one of the greatest teachers in all of Israel. He was known as the Pharisees of Pharisees, one of the greatest rabbis and educators. When he met Jesus, what did Jesus say? He didn't say, okay, now go become a monk in a mountain so that no one ever meet you again. No, Jesus said, oh, I could have use of you. Paul, I'm gonna author two-thirds of the New Testament through you because what you were before Christ, oh, I could use that for me. I could use that. And so a lot of times we think, oh, now that I've met Christ, it's a rejection. I meet so many people who were, used to be singers, and they would sing about this, and they say, I don't sing no more because God saved me. When I was in the world, I was committed to singing. I was committed, but, but it wasn't for God, and it was ugly stuff, but now that I'm saved, I just feel like I got to let all that go. Well, if that's what God independently tells you by the Holy Spirit, by no means, I'm not one to say it. But the fact that God saved you is not a reason to walk away from it. It's not a reason to give it up. It's, in fact, it's the opposite. It's a reason and an attitude to give it to Jesus. Give your gift and your call because God has given you that. God has given you that. There was a recent study that they found that people can, who can sing, who are like can tell a no and sing, it's hereditary. There's a gene that's literally passed that a person who's naturally good at singing it's, a lot of people thought, oh, it's because it's the way that their throat is formed or whatever it may be. It's just like the way they were created. It was that, no, no, it has been passed down. It's hereditary. So there are gifts that God has put in your life that have been passed down in generations that God is just looking to use you, to call you for his glory to use these things. And so that is what God has done in our life. Oswald Chambers, one of the great preachers, he said this. There was a conversation in the book of Isaiah. We famously know it, where God's talking to the, to the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God says, Isaiah just is privy. He's not in God's conversation. And they're talking about going down to the world to be a prophet. And they say, whom shall we send to go do this work for us? And Isaiah, God has allowed him to have an ear in the conversation. He steps in and he says, Lord, here I am. Send me. You see, God didn't go to Isaiah and say, Isaiah, I am forcing you to go and do this for me. God's not forcing you to do anything. He's saying, I have a heart for my people. Who will answer this call? Isaiah stepped and goes, hello. I'll do it, Lord. And so Oswald Chambers once said this. He said, God did not direct his call to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard God saying, who will go for us? The call of God is not just for a select few, but for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears. And exactly what I hear depends on my spiritual attitude. Where is your spiritual attitude? What's happening? Who's answering the call? Who's lifting up their hands? 
God gives us a call of attitude. Here's some attitudes that God calls us to do. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Put on then as God chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You see, when someone calls you, it's meant to be picked up. It's meant to be answered. And so when God calls you, there is something that you need to do to say yes. God is not forcing an answer for you. A call is a yes to Jesus and a yes to purpose in your life, to be conformed in the image of his son. That is what the yes is to. It's a yes to call to say, God, I'm willing to say yes for you to do something. That's what the apostles Paul did. That's what the disciples did. Jesus said, hey, leave your, leave your nets and come follow me. They had a choice. He didn't rob them in the middle of a field and tie them up and say, you guys are going to be workers for me now. He gave them a decision. You want to impact this world? You want to influence your community? You want to do some big things in God's name? Jesus is like, come with me. And even in their walk, you could tell how week by week they still didn't get it. They was like, are we going to war? Are we like, what are we doing? Like, are we going to war? Are we fighting people? Are we starting a new country? Are we starting a new religion? What are we doing, Jesus? It's just like step by step. So a lot of us, you, you want God to paint this picture. That's what you're praying for. You're, you're painted for an, uh, an image. You're waiting for God to finish something. And, you, and that's not what it is. It's not in the Bible. It's, it's taking one step at a time. It's one yes at a time. That's what it is. And there are going to be times where you make the wrong call, you make the wrong judgment, and that is where grace is for. That's what Pastor Adam said last week. This is where God comes into control now. But he ain't looking for you to just turn on the channel and there be a new Netflix button that has your name on it where you could just see your life pass and you could decide whether you like it or not. You're building your life. You're building what God is doing in your life. It's the yes to God. It's being committed to God. Here's the second thing is this. The next thing that we're called to that God is doing in our lives is you and I are called to completion. What God begins at the day that you met him, he wants to finish that till the very end. He's not calling you for a season. I hear that all the time in church. I just think my season's up. I just think my season. Like, what do you, what? I didn't know that you had summer, winter, fall, and spring in your life. I don't, I don't know what that means. I think my season's up. I think, what season? What you mean? Are you in a grave yet? You're not in a grave yet. You got no season up. God's call for you is to finish the work. That's why Paul says, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished well. And he goes, I'm crossing the finish line. The finish line for him is death. So he's like, I'm following Jesus. I'm committed to the call for completion. I want the work to be done. This is where the top part of Romans 28, 28 deals with calling. Because we read it the past two weeks. It's this. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is where it comes, those all things. For those that are called by Jesus, you know where you're in. You know you're in Christ. You're not near Christ. You're not around Christ. You're in Christ. And so you understand that you have a new perspective. 
See, this verse is not used to say God's got all good things coming your way. I mean, that would be dishonest. It means that in your life when things happen, where you are going through pain, where you're going through hurt, where you're going through turmoil, that if you have the perspective of being called by God, it means that you can understand that God is working all things in your life for the good of those who love him. God has given you answers in your calling in the things that are unanswerable. That's why a few, a few verses prior, the scriptures say that when you have no words, the Holy Spirit groans. You ever been in such a pain before or such a turmoil that you don't even have words anymore? Like, like maybe, I just had a friend recently, his, his son fell, his son's uh, uh, almost three years old, opened his whole lip, cut his whole lip, completely open, random to the ER. And I asked my friend, what were you doing in that moment? What were you saying? He goes, honestly, I blanked. I, I, just, I just kept praying. I just kept praying. But he goes, but I don't, I don't even remember what I said because I had no words. The, because in his head, he goes, I, I don't know what to do right now. What, what do I do? And in life, the Holy Spirit is there in your calling where you go, I, I don't have any words. You ever looked at your wife before? So what do we pray for? A new job? You go, I, I don't know. What do we pray for? New finances? I don't know. Your kids are acting up. What do we pray for? That they're better? I, what, what, do I, what do I do? The Holy Spirit intercedes in those moments for those who recognize that they have said yes to the call of God. Because Jesus has offered an invitation for you to call you a summons to say, come and be with me. Come and journey with me. You see, in 2020, it was about one month into quarantine. My, my wife's father, Tom, he's about 6'5", African-American guy. He's incredible. But for seven years, he battled cancer. And it was just at the time that at one point, he, he didn't have cancer anymore. And they came back heavy and thick and it came back, we, we caught it literally months before his passing. So there, there was really at this point, there, there was nothing to do. So I remember this moment, we're in the middle of going through quarantine, COVID just happened. And here he is, he, he's on bed rest. And he got to a point in, in his cancer that he was in so much pain and he had lost so much weight. And he, he, he had, there's a point he had zero strength. The only thing he could do was open his eyelids for about a month, that's all he could do. Just laid on the bed, he could open his eyelids. About four days before his passing, my mother-in-law texted me and she said, Adam, would you come and give Tom final communion? If he goes home to be with the Lord, would, I know this is what he would want. It just so happened we had communion Sunday today. And so I go over to my wife's house it was after we finished filming something in church. I go over to my wife's house. There my father-in-law is. He has not moved a pinky in three weeks. And she goes over to his ear and she goes, Tom, your son's here. He wants to give you communion. And his eyes lit up. And he fought for 15 minutes to go from here to here. 
Took him 15 minutes. He was in tears trying to sit up. And in that moment, he fought to open his mouth because they were doing a feeding tube at that point. He fought to open his mouth with tears in his face. And right there, I gave him a cracker. And I gave him some juice on his lips. And he ate it in that moment. And we prayed in that moment. I have never seen such strength from a person than in that moment. He had not moved one pinky in three weeks. And I come in and it says, let's honor Jesus before you close your eyes. And he fought with everything within him to open his eyes, to open his mouth, to lift up his head and take communion and give honor to Jesus. He completed his race. He finished strong in faithfulness. We didn't say, hey, Tom, should you pass? You want to make sure that you're okay with God? He knew he was okay with God. He knew where he was going. He knew who saved his soul. What we were doing with him is we were finishing the race well. That's what we were doing. We were finishing the race well. So Pastor Adam said it last week. He said these conversations today that we're talking about Romans chapter 8, it's not about the destination it's about your destiny. It's not about the finish line. It's about what God is doing in your life, in the race, every single day. And every single day, you have to make a choice who you will say yes to, who you will answer the call of God to. Because Jesus has called you to walk with him. That's what the calling is. Is for him to be there for you and for him to be there with you. And so this is who you are called to be. You are made in God's image. God is creative. God is fruitful. God is faithful. God is generational. God is excellent. God is passionate. God is peaceful. God is just. God is trustworthy. And so if you are made in God's image, then God has called you to those things. And so whether you are a businessman, bear his image. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent, bear his image. Whether you're a teacher, bear his image. Whether you're a student, bear his image. Whether you're an engineer, bear his image. If you're an electrician, bear his image. And what is his image? His image is that he is fruitful, he is faithful, he is generational, he's excellent, he's passionate, he's peaceful, he's trustworthy, and you and I be called to those things. That's what we are called to. And here's the last thing that we're going to say with the few minutes that we have. God has called you, the last point, God has called you to carry. To carry. God didn't save us to sit us in lazy boys. It's not about living the good life. God saved me. Now I can go kick up my chair. Everything's going to work out great. Everything's going to be figured out now. Say, I, you know, oh, oh, the doors are open now. It's going to happen. No, God has called us to carry. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Would you carry your cross? 
Would you carry your cross? What does that look like? Carrying your cross and your calling means that I see that as a believer. How I respond in this life shows the world around me how much I really trust God with my life. How you respond to life shows the world around you how much you trust God. So when you call yourself a Christian, you got Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Instagram bio, but you're on the Instagram stories having worry, doubt, fear. They're going, man, it's a child of God. We always see those things before. Imagine, imagine in this case, like a, 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 a very wealthy parent who makes their child, who's, who they say, I'm not helping you at all. You got to go live in a homeless alley. People be like, what kind of parent is that? I'm not saying your kid got to live in a mansion with you, but they shouldn't be in the alley. And so when you and I as Christians find ourselves in the alley next to people who aren't believers, fretting about the same things, worried about the same things, fearing the same things, man, you got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on your side. You have Jesus on your side. You have someone who has called you. He's not only called you, he's qualified you. And those who he calls, he qualifies. He don't call the qualified, he will qualify you because he's called you. And so your first step is a simple yes. It's a simple yes. Say yes today. That's where it starts. It's the yes to Jesus. I recognize who he is. I'm called to carry this thing, to show the world how much I love God. Even in times of trial, even in times of doubt, Jesus is in the boat with me. Jesus is in the boat with me. You got to recognize it. You know, a few years back, like eight years ago, I go to Las Vegas with, with my family, my parents, we, you know, the, going to the restaurants and stuff like that. And my brother, oldest brother, he's real bougie-like, so he, you know, he got all the Louis Vuitton, he likes all that, you know, so, I mean, I like it now that I'm older, but back then I couldn't, I could barely afford a keychain, you know, so he said, you want to go to Louis Vuitton with me? I said, I said, no, I don't have Louis Vuitton money, and so I went to Nike, he went to Louis Vuitton, I was done at Nike, I was done at Nike, and I text him, I said, hey, where are you at? He said, I'm still in Louis Vuitton, I show up, the doors are closed, the doors are locked, and there's a crowd of people. I text my brother, hey, they won't let me in. Can you come out? He comes out and he sees this crowd of people with their phones out. And at that point, I look at someone and I say, hey, what's going on? They said, LeBron James is inside. They closed the store down for him. I said, but my brother's in there. So my brother comes out. I said, dog, you, did you meet LeBron in there? He said, I don't know who LeBron is. Who's LeBron? I said, LeBron James, he's a professional basketball player, the greatest in the world. He goes, I didn't. No, there was, there was, wait, would he be really tall? I said, see, yeah, he's pretty tall. I pull out my phone, I Google him, I show my brother a picture of him. He goes, that's so crazy. We were talking for like 25 minutes about Louis Vuitton. He was amazed at my knowledge of Louis Vuitton. So we went back and he goes, and he was taking me around the store, showing me his favorite stuff. And I was showing, and he goes, he had like a posse, but I just thought those were his homies. I was like, so you met and had a 25 minute conversation with LeBron James and you didn't even know who you were talking to? So it meant something to me because I knew who it was, but to him, 
It didn't mean nothing. You see, a yes to Jesus and a yes to his call is acknowledging who he is. Do you know who has done the calling in your life? Do you know who's the one who has called you? The one right now, according to Hebrews, who sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for you. So when you get to moving, you get to praying, and you get to purpose, Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father and he says, oh, that's Adam, I know Adam. Oh, that's Jane, I know Jane. Oh, that's Eric, I know Eric. Oh, that's Victoria, I know Victoria. Because I've called them and they have said yes. Because you gotta recognize, gotta recognize the first step, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.